Jesus, the Son of God, came to earth and dwelt among us. What was his life like here on earth? How did the Savior live his final days before his crucifixion, a day that changed the world forever? Join us on the Struggles We Grow From podcast as we look at the life of Jesus. Hey guys, and welcome to the Struggles We Grow From podcast. This is our very first video podcast. So whether you're watching this on Spotify or YouTube, welcome and bear with us because this is our first time ever doing this. And just like when we first began recording podcast, the sound quality, our knowledge of podcasting was none. And over time, you know, with anything, like you're able to grow and make better. And so we're starting first time ever with video, but we're so excited that you are here. And I think that this was a great place to kick off video podcasting because this week is just a very special, hard, but beautiful time in the life of a believer. Mm. And this is what we call Holy Week. And so it is Sunday and it is Palm Sunday today. And we would love to find in scripture for you what exactly happened on that day of what we have recorded in scripture. What happened? Find that in scripture and then we're going to discuss it. Austin and I. So you wanted to add anything? No. Well, this is super (laughs) nerve wracking, number one. And number two, production is going to take a lot longer, but that's okay. We're giving something a shot. So I'm excited whether you're looking at this camera, this camera, or this camera. (laughs) They probably can't see you. Well, this is the thought that counts. So, sorry, trying to get my computer turned back up. Um, So what are we talking about today? So today... Um, This is Sunday, and this is Palm Sunday, and so this is the very beginning of Holy Week, and this day had a lot of celebrations. This is a a happy day for a lot of people, Mm -hmm. and the main things that happened on this day are Jesus's triumphant entrance um, into Jerusalem, and he also spends the night in Bethany on this night. And we are going to be looking at John chapter 12, starting with verse 12 Mm -hmm. for this day, for his entrance. And we're going to be looking at and digging into the verses here. Now, if you want to look at some of the other gospels and what like Matthew, Mark, or Luke recorded for this day, you can look at Matthew chapter 21. You can look at Mark chapter 11. Or you can look at Luke chapter 19 Mm -hmm. and look at those. But we're going to be in John because through our whole Jesus series, we've been in the book of John. So we're going to stick with John. Um, All right. So we're going to dive in and I'm going to read the scripture for us. Hmm. All right. So John 12, starting with verse 12. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, 
just as it is written. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Mm. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, You see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Mm. So out of all the things that we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about first the entrance of Jesus. Now, in your mind, Sydney, what do you think? Like, what do you think about that? So on Palm Sunday, everyone was cheering Jesus as the victor, as the king. We fast forward five days, six days. It's a different story. Mm -hmm. Why would you think in this moment that everybody's so excited? I feel like a majority of these people really thought of him as we would a celebrity today. Mm. For celebrities today, they're doing all these great things, maybe influencers today, doing all these great things. You know, we're following them. We're cheering them on and these great times. But the minute that they may do something that we don't like or the minute that other people start Mm -hmm. to say, I don't like them anymore because blah, 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 you kind of turn your back on them very easily. And I feel like that's what they did because they saw him as this celebrity. They had heard about the signs that he had done. They'd heard Mm -hmm. about Lazarus, heard about all these things. They just wanted to follow the hype. Yep. I can totally see that. So I wonder, I really wonder how many of these people really believed that he was who he said he was Mm -hmm. or that they were just following like the crowd and they were just excited. But I also get this picture in my brain of like kids and their families, almost like a parade, you know, in my brain. And especially growing up in Sunday school, you know, they would, they would put the picture on the wall Mm -hmm. and it would be, you know, him on the donkey and they would be like lining the street, almost like a parade, like people on this side, people on this side, waving palm branches and like cheering, you know, they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. So it's like, it's a light time. It's a, it's celebratory. They're excited. Mm -hmm. That's what I think of in my mind. Yeah. And what's interesting is the word Hosanna, like translates into safe, please. So I believe it's Psalm 118. Um, There's a couple of verses in Psalm 118 that kind of points that to this moment. So there's the save, please, in Psalm 118. I believe it starts somewhere around verses 22 through 25, where we kind of get this context. And then even in that psalm, we hear David write about a stone, uh, the God exalting a stone uh, that's rejected by the builders in this moment. So really what's interesting is we kind of see that parallel of like scripture fulfilling itself, all those different things, especially that last point where the Pharisees are like, look, the world goes after him. They're they're rejecting, in the same sense of the parallel of scripture, they're rejecting 
the stone that's being exalted by God. And I also think just as much as, hey, who actually believed in who was following the hype? You also have to look at, you know, taking into account all the different things that were that just happened. So we talked about Nicodemus in the Jesus series. We talked about him coming to Jesus in the cover of night. There is in scripture somewhere around John 7, if I remember correctly, there's talk of like Pharisees defecting. There's talk of people defecting and following Jesus. This is right after. Defecting meaning. From, from going from being a Pharisee to being a follower of Jesus. Defecting from the religious tradition. Okay. Defecting might be the wrong word. But um, there's that. And then this is right after Jesus called Lazarus out of the grave. So even in that story, we see like many believed. Many had faith. We see those kind of translations. So even in the mix of the hype, there are like people who are 100% all in disciples and followers of Jesus, even in that moment. So it's just interesting when you kind of look at the whole thing of what's really going on, like similar to like what we do at church right now. You put on a super emotional song. Like I'm just talking about church in general. But if you put on a super emotional song, people are yeah. all hyped about it. Mm-hmm. Gotta have the drums. Gotta. Ha- <laughs> Don't give me no worship without no drums. <laughs> but yeah, so you put on a super emotional song, and there might be people in the room who genuinely have emotion towards God and Jesus in that moment. Mm-hmm. Like good emotion overwhelms them and they rejoice and they praise their Savior. And then there's other people who just are emotional and they don't even know what emotion or why they're emotional. Right. They just get enveloped into the emotion. So there's that weird mixture. Not, right. I wouldn't say weird, but there's just, there's an atmosphere. You can't really tell maybe who's who. Because I, I mean, when somebody walks into Orange City, I can't tell who's who. Or somebody walks into the land, I can't tell who's who. Mm-hmm. So there's like, just just this mix of people. So in your mind, so this is just the way that I think and I process. There wasn't really like, we're going to fast forward. I'm sorry. There wasn't really like a victory lap after the resurrection. There wasn't a moment where he came into the city and people were cheering and hooping Mm -hmm. and hollering. We can look at this right now and already say, similar to what David said, similar to what David did, I should say is declaring the victory of the Lord before the battle even happened. Right Mm -hmm. here, we see the celebration of a victory of the king before the cost had to be paid. Mm -hmm. When you think of, like, just chewing on that idea, what do you think about that? So, question, did a lot of them, a lot of them didn't know it was happening? Yes. So, when you say they're claiming the victory before that happened, in their mind, there's nothing to, right. Yep. Oh, I'm just clarifying. Yeah, yeah. But on this side of yep. where we are, yep. so we know the whole story, we can see. How can you apply that to your life would be if you are in the middle of unknown, mm-hmm. if you are in the middle of a really hard time mm-hmm. and things are happening to you that are outside of your control, 
you can choose in that moment to sit in that and have pity for yourself and just talk about all the negative and how horrible it is, which a lot of us cling to that. That's Mm -hmm. the easy thing to do. I do that. Or you can choose in that moment to claim the victory that Jesus has already, you know, secured. If you are a believer in Christ, that has secured for you even though. Yeah. Even in the middle of that. And you can also begin to praise God for what's going to come out of that. Yeah. So give clarifying. (laughs) Give clarifying information to what do we mean by claim the victory? Are we talking about sending our seed into Texas? (laughs) My God. So, for example, like a time in our life was, I think we've shared this before, um, when our second child, Harper, when she was in my tummy, there was a lot of unknowns. And there was something wrong with her and could have, you know, we had to go to many extra appointments to like specialists and get all these um, things done. You know, they had to look at her a lot. And each time we went, it was so hard because it was literally an unknown Mm -hmm. and you can't do anything about it. Like you can't eat enough vegetables or drink some special drink or do anything to like help the situation. And it was, you could lose or she could be born with all these defects or, you know, like whatever. And we're just like, oh my gosh. So, but in that moment, the important thing that we did have was community at that time. We had Mm -hmm. a life group who was praying with us and we were reminding ourselves. It's all about reminding yourselves that what Jesus has already secured for you. And even if the worst happens, even if we lose this child, we still have that. And we know where she will be. Mm-hmm. And we know where one day we'll be with her. You know, it's it's reminding yourself and preaching to yourself what Jesus secured already and that he conquered death itself. So it's not claiming something that you haven't claimed yet. Mm-hmm. It's reminding yourself of what you have mm-hmm. because we often forget yeah. when we're in the valley or we're in an unknown. Mm-hmm. Beautifully, we literally had people praying. We had people, you know, lay hands on me and pray. And we went to this appointment. We had people with us. And he was like, oh, that spot is completely gone. Like, praise God. And we left that appointment. And we just, we all just praised God right there in the waiting room. With the people that were, you know, your parents were there. We had people from our life group there. Dave and Lisa Washburn, yep. Right. I think the ladies at the front (laughs) desk was praying too. Right. They were like, what is going on? So it was a beautiful moment. And praise God. Like, she is so healthy. Oh, Lord, she healthy. My girl. (laughs) (laughs) It's a hot mess. But, yeah. I guess that's an example. Or we know some friends right now who are about to get married and literally don't have a place to live. Mm-hmm. And they're getting married in three weeks. No place to live right now. 
and they are feeling like that's hard for them. And they don't, you know, they don't want to live with their parents again. And they're trying to find a place and they have no idea, but they're, they're believers. And so, you know, holding on hope and claiming like that, whatever comes their way is for their good. Hmm. I was like, maybe this time in your life is like, God's wanting you to lean on him more. Hmm. God's wanting you to do that. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, I cut you off. No, 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 you're good. So that's really a good example of holding on to the victory or claiming the victory. So not in a sense of name it and claim it, but reminding (laughs) of what has already been accomplished. And we are also not talking about speaking something into existence because that is not real. I'm trying to come up with a really witty, clever comeback, but I can't right now. I'm tired. Uh, (laughs) A comeback to me? Yes, just to 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 do it. poke at me? Yes. Okay. Um, So, absolutely. So, thinking of holding on to something, reminding yourself the truth, great example of holding on to the victory or securing, claiming the victory that Christ has already had in you or had for you, not in you. You did have victory in you over the flesh and your heart. And so, yeah, whatever, either one. Um, But like to your point where you were talking about, well, these people didn't know what was going on. You're absolutely right. Most of them probably thought Jesus was about to walk in and turn over Roman powers, (laughs) flip the government tables, and hey, here, here it comes. We're entering into paradise on earth. So, I mean, I can't even see this in my own life where on a week-to-week basis, Jesus enters into the town. Heck yeah, I'm down. Let's throw a party. Save me, Lord. And then things don't go the way that I need them to or the way that I think that they should go. Mm -hmm. And then five days later, I'm hiding. Or, man, I don't know this guy. Just interesting. Just the expectation, probably the expectation of what people have Versus the reality of what Jesus was doing in that moment. Now, the reality was so much better than our expectations. Obviously, we believe that. And I imagine all the disciples believe that as well. But in that moment, there were people projecting their expectations upon what was happening as Christ was entering Jerusalem on that donkey on Palm Sunday. And we always talk about it a lot, or at least somebody in our life group used to bring it up. It's the upside down kingdom. It's the, what we think, how it should be. And then Jesus says, no, I'm going to flip He flips it. it, yeah. Flipping Jesus. And that's a great example of it. So as we kind of dive into this, one of the things that I wanted to point out is there's a prophecy from Ezekiel 9. I'm going to flip there for us, but I believe it's Ezekiel 9, 9. And it's really just talking about this moment where Jesus is walking in and he is about to go to the cross, but he's walking into Jerusalem. This Hosanna, Hosanna, save me, Lord, save me, please. Mm -hmm. This is where that's coming from. So stand by as I flip and make a lot of noises. No, don't think that's right. Hold on. Yikes. This is going to make for a good edit. We're going to put this in 
subscription content. Anyways, so where were we at? Nope, not Ezekiel. Guess what? I read the footnote wrong. It's in a different prophet. This is where dyslexia gets me. The prophet starts with a Z. I believe it's Zechariah. Right. And I just jump straight to Ezekiel. So, Sydney, share something deeply personal that can get everybody's attention from my mess up. Deeply personal? Yep, and just throwing it out there. Too late, I already found it. Here it goes. So, this is Zechariah 9 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation. Is he humble? And mounted on a donkey, on a colt, a foal of a donkey, I will cut off the chariots of Ephraim and the war horses of Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace to nations. His rule shall be above the sea, from sea to sea, and from river to the ends of the earth. So that was Ezekiel 9, not Ezekiel, God, I keep doing that, Zechariah 9 through 10. 9, 9 through 10. And it's very, very important that they point out that it's a donkey, that it's a colt. Mm -hmm. Because right here in John, they even point out, like John writes, oh wait, I flipped my page. Um, and Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. They made sure to add that. And then as you read on, it just says, just as it is written, fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. And so right then, anytime in the scripture where you see the words, just as it is written, that is meaning it's pointing back to something that was said ooh, many years earlier, Yeah, you know, earlier, it was prophesied and now it's coming to fruition. Is that the yeah, right word? that's a word. <laughs> and you used it in the right context. Wow. I don't think I ever used that word before. A lot of pastors do, I feel like. Well. Pastors, and I say this as a pastor, we like to use big words because we think- Big words make you look big smart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Big words equal big brain. Sometimes. But the reality is, you talk like this, people understand you do. Oh my gosh. Okay. So going on in- this section of scripture, I did have a question. So in verse 16, it says, his disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, they remembered that these things had been written about him mm -hmm. and had been done to him. Mm -hmm. Done to him. Yeah, so people laying down the palm branches, being salt of being called king. Okay. Those kind of things. Um, and then the first part of it just saying, like, they did not understand these things at first. So is it just saying at first they didn't understand why they were all, like, celebrating or, you know, saying Hosanna, like, with the palm branches? Is that what it means? So if you read that prophecy, chapter 9, verses 9 through 10, you're immediately going to think, you know, God's going to enter the picture and it's going <clears> to... <throat> Like, it's going to be over with. He's going to wipe the floor with everybody. He's talking about ending war and burying bows, all those different things. So in that moment, again, their expectation was about to pop off. 
Asia about to be wild. We're about to be free people again. Mm-hmm. That's the expectation. I mean, how how can we jump to that again? That is that is an idea. That is, hey, what's the human condition? Regardless of how much time you spend with Jesus, because he didn't spend a relatively long time with him. Remember, it's about three years. So even in that moment, they're probably having a misconception of what Jesus is actually doing. So in the moment, it's like, hey, he's going to come flip the governmental tables and he's going to set all of us free. And then when that doesn't happen, when Jesus comes back, not only did they receive the spirit, then you also have to think the gospel of John was written close to maybe 20 or 30 years after Jesus had ascended back into heaven. So it could have been a little while before John made the connection, but all that goes to show is a what they thought in the moment was not actually what was about to happen. So they were just reminded. Okay. Interesting. It is interesting. But see, the thing about this is we're going to talk about the interesting things for seven days. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about Monday, which is tomorrow. We're going to talk about Tuesday. I'm going to keep saying all the days just to buy time. No, we're going to walk through each one of these step by Mm -hmm. step by step. But for our focus, as we kind of wrap up today, our focus for Palm Sunday is when Jesus enters the picture, it's never what you think. When he rides into town, when he comes into your life, when he reveals himself to you it's so much more than what you think right it's a expectation and an expectancy are two different things Mm -hmm. so when you have these expectations on jesus or on god you're really putting him in your own little box and you want him to work you want him to be your robot like you want him to do what you want him to do when you want him to do it the reality is that you are human with a pea-sized brain And he was your creator who is like infinite in all wisdom. Yeah. So stop. Like, and I have to tell myself, stop. Like, this is not what he should do and when he should do it. You have to have an expectancy that God's always going to move, that he's always going to fulfill his promises, which he will. Mm -hmm. But never have an expectation on him. For what you think it should look like. Yeah. I agree. So, and that's a great place to end. Thank you so much for joining us on the Struggles We Grow From podcast. And we will see you here for tomorrow's episode. Bye. Bye. Bye.